Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Mortar. It's August again, so buckle up, it's another one of those fun political episodes. August episodes are usually late on this show, just because so many interesting and, uh, frankly, bad things tend to happen that uh, a lot of political analysts in Russia tend to picture the August as the darkest, grimmest month of the year, when everything concerns Russia or the post-Soviet sphere, and uh, have to admit that this year hasn't really been an exception. Originally, I wanted to make this episode just after everything that happened in Afghanistan. But now we have reactions to that, and the Russian side's ideas, and at one point it seemed like Putin might have some issues with all this, and it could cause him any troubles, some new issues with the other post-Soviet states, all the Kyrgyzstans and all that stuff. But apparently no. And then we have our own little migrant crisis in the Baltics. Except this one is very much pushed onto us by Lukashenko and Belarus, and we aren't really equipped to figure it out. And that's besides all the usual COVID stuff. So, well, one crazy episode. However, we'll also be making historical stuff, which is prepared. It's just that I really wanted to do some proper research before I published this one. And it wasn't easy as usual. But hey, you know, this is the Eastern Border. We, um, get over such things. But yeah. I want to start with the situation, which is now in Lithuania, Latvia, and Poland, on the borders with Belarus. Because that situation has um, escalated quite quickly, as Lukashenko obviously is trying to um, have some revenge, maybe, as he's constantly blaming the evil Lithuanian secret services for um, disrupting his government and whatnot, after all the sanctions and pressure... He called upon himself after his kidnapping the Tryon airplane and seizing his one political opponent that was flying in there, even though it was supposed to fly just over Belarus and not even to land there. So that uh, turned out a bit worse than expected. So let's start with Lithuania here. 
You see, it all started in spring already. Since the spring, hundreds of people from the Middle East and Africa have been entering Lithuania, and all of them through Belarus. In fact, illegal border crossings have increased by a factor of 39 times since last year. The Lithuanian government has toughened its residency laws, started constructing a new border fence, and, well, accused Belarus of encouraging illegal migration. Meanwhile, our buddy Alexander Lukashenko has tried to pin the blame on Western sanctions. Several media outlets, including Lithuanian news sites 15 Minutes and LRT, as well as the Belarusian outlets Reform By and Media Zone Belarus, have published in-depth reporting on the crisis, revealing how migrants get to Lithuania and who's helping them and how much they pay for it. And also, this started in Lithuania, but again, currently it's in Latvia, it's in Poland, and frankly, with all that's going on there, quite honestly, the biggest crisis in a while. And we really don't know what to do because... Covid just makes everything even worse. See, back in the summer of 2020, Lithuania, like many other EU member states, refused to recognize Alexander Lukashenko's victory in Belarus' 2020 presidential election. Vilnius imposed sanctions against Lukashenko and granted asylum to Svetlana Tikhonovskaya, the leader of Belarusian opposition movement and Lukashenko's main opponent in the election. Many Belarusian citizens also relocated to Lithuania in the aftermath of the elections for, well, obvious political reasons. Now, spring this year, 2021, as relations with Belarus deteriorated, Lithuania expressed concerns about a growing stream of people illegally crossing the border between the two countries. In the entirety of 2020, only 81 migrants were detained in Lithuania. At the beginning of April 2021, that number was 90, and by the start of July, it had jumped to 800. And, well, as of now, Late August, it's thousands, over 4,000 people had been detained while trying to cross from Belarus to Lithuania. It's unclear how many have made it across successfully. In response to the migration crisis, Lithuania has declared a state of emergency and obviously requested support from the European Border and Coast Guard Agency and decided to build an additional barrier on the border with Belarus. Border, by the way, is about 679 kilometers long, which is uh, 422 miles. They uh, have already begun erecting a barbed wire fence, but, well, our Brailukas from the south literally run out of barbed wire. Estonia, Ukraine, and, well, us in Latvia, yeah, we just volunteered to give them a bit more. Now, Lithuanian government, fairly obviously, has accused Minsk of organizing the stream of illegal crossings. According to Lithuanian foreign minister Gabrielus Landsbergis, the Belarusian authorities are quite deliberately sending foreigners toward the Lithuanian border using a state-owned travel agency. Meanwhile, the Minister of Interior, Agne Bilotaita, has called the rise in illegal immigration an, quote, element of hybrid warfare, end quote. The Belarusian government has, well, as they usually do, completely denied these accusations, claiming that they're doing everything in the power to stop the flow and always have. According to Sergei Rachkov, the head of Belarusian Senate's Permanent Commission on International Affairs and National Security, the increase in migration is due to the pandemic and its exacerbating effects on the Middle East and African economies. However, Lukashenko's rhetoric, the Batkas, main guys, head honchos, chief barbarian and prison guards, it differs somehow from that of the other Belarusian officials. He has openly stated that the Belarusian authorities have chosen not to prevent people from crossing the border and spoke about it in terms of war. Quote, 
We did our part to stop drugs and migrants. Now you can take them and catch them yourselves. Which is what he said in May, after the forced landing of, well, this Ryanair flight in Minsk. And EU decided to ban the flights to Belarus. Continuing on with the quote in June. Today, they, the West, started whining. Oh no, Belarus isn't protecting them. Thousands and thousands of illegal migrants are streaming into Lithuania, Latvia, and Poland. It just makes me want to ask. Have you guys lost your minds? You launched a hybrid war against us, but you're still demanding we keep on protecting you. Which is what he said in June, not long before the EU introduced sanctions against Belarus. Now, in response to these sanctions, Belarus suspended the readmission agreement it had with the EU. As a result, migrants from third-party countries who entered Lithuania from Belarus can no longer be returned to Belarusian territory and can only be deported to their country of citizenship. This, by the way, applies to, well, Poland and Latvia as well, which is why we have the current situation of these people just stuck somewhere there, sitting in between borders, and not like anyone knows exactly what to do. Most of the migrants currently being detained in mass in Lithuania and sitting in the border there are citizens of Iraq, and mostly of Kurdish origin, Syria, and various African countries. Now, you might ask, wait a minute, how are you even attempting to get from there to, well, our extremely cold end of the planet? That's where the bit of a sensational and interesting part of all this story comes into play. Most of the migrants who get detained on the Belarus-Lithuania border are, well, Kurdish people from Iraq. The majority of them travel from Iraq to Belarus, by plane as tourists. The first direct flights from Baghdad to Minsk began in 2017. In May 2021, the number of flights increased from two to four per week. Each one can transport about 200 to 300 people. According to Lithuanian news site, 15 minutes, entering Lithuania from Belarus is currently considered the safest and quickest route to the EU among Iraqis. And apparently us and Poland are second best spot. Smugglers generally charge between $5,000 and $15,000 to transport people across the Belarus-Lithuania border. Although some have charged up to $85,000. However, so far, more recent events have proven that the price has fallen drastically and, well, in some reports that our own Latvian media have given me, it sometimes can go even below $1,000. That's because um, it's literally done by Belarusian authorities. For comparison, illegal entry, by the way, into Europe by the means of the Aegean Sea costs 8,000 to 9,000 euros, approximately 9,500 to $10,700. Entry through the Balkans costs 8,000 euros, and entry through the Mediterranean costs between 3,000 and 5,000 euros, which is, well, about 3,500 to $6,000. Like I said, higher numbers with the entering through Lithuania, Latvia, and Poland, yeah, uh, those numbers are now gone significantly lower, because, well, smugglers are now making um, better deals, and, well, guess who's actually supporting them. According to the smugglers themselves, these whole package deals generally include a Belarusian tourist visa, a plane ticket from Iraq to Belarus, several nights in a Minsk hotel, and even some sightseeing tours. Customers are then transported to the Belarus-Lithuania border, and then from Lithuania to Germany, where most migrants seek to settle. Now, in a joint investigation, Mediazone Belarus and LRT wrote that Iraqi travel agencies collect up to $3,000 deposit from each of their clients as a guarantee that they will return to Iraq. If a person fails to return, the agency pays the money to the Belarusian government as a 
fine. Reform BY has partially confirmed this information. Zamir, an Iraqi citizen and administrator for a social media group for migrants, said that several, but not all, Iraqi tourist agencies actually do ask for a deposit, but the sizes of these deposits vary. Some could be as low as just $400. According to Zamir, sometimes tourists pay the deposit at the time of purchase, but sometimes travel agencies charge people's families after they fail to return. Head of investigations at LRT, Indre Makariaite, said in an interview with RFE RL's Belarusian service that Belarus receives money in exchange for tourists not returning through the Belarusian consulate in Baghdad. Quote, We have calculated that there are already almost 900 illegal migrants from Iraq in Lithuania, and the Belarusian government has received at least 2 million euros, which is $2.37 million, from this scheme. And uh, this gets even more interesting, obviously, because all these stories on the eastern border, specifically in the news segments, yeah, we, uh, I guess, happiness is mandatory, but our secondary tagline might as well be, and then it gets from bad to worse. Two Belarusian border guards spoke to Reform by, or BY, on condition of anonymity. Both of them talked about receiving unofficial instructions to turn a blind eye to illegal migrants heading towards Lithuania. According to one of their sources, in the past, border guards would be awarded a bonus for detaining such people, but that is no longer the case. In addition, illegal migrants used to be treated much more strictly. Administrative reports were drawn up, and they were held in special detention facilities until they could be deported. Now they're just let go. One of the sources who spoke to Reform by claimed that the border guards generally aren't fans of the new policies. Quote, Recently, the authorities have been instructing the border guards to set up our operations in a certain way. This means leaving specific windows for illegal immigrants to pass through. They don't give us direct instructions, but when you tell our boss not to cover the right flank in the border zone, for example, he'll just say, you know, no problem, and won't take any measures in that area. Smuggling and illegal migration are clearly being prioritized. As a result, we have a high attrition rate. A lot of people aren't re renewing their contracts. Another source who spoke to reform.by confirmed this account. There was a verbal order from the authorities. Turn a blind eye to illegal immigrants, only detain them when they're being completely unreasonable or trying to cross too close to a checkpoint. Regular border guards don't like it at all, of course, and people still try to detain perpetrators. Now, instead of border guards, special forces officers are being put on guard and patrol on the border. And I wouldn't be surprised if they show the migrants where to go themselves. 15 Minutes also reported that, um, at the time, the situation on the Polish border was different. Now it isn't, because previously, for at the beginning of this period, Belarusian border guards actually tried to detain people on the Polish border. Now it's um, switched up a bit. Also, 15 Minutes noted that it used to be the KGB, the Belarusian security service, who oversaw the arrival of Iraqi tourists to Belarus. Intelligence agents would receive their names and follow their movements around the country. But according to a source, this practice has stopped. In late July, Lithuanian government passed a law limiting unauthorized migrants' rights. Among other things, the law shortened the processing time for asylum applications and deprived migrants of the right to appeal the decision of the court of first instance. Activists maintain that the law violates the migrants' human rights. Lithuanian president Gitanas Nauseid agreed, calling the law, quote, flawed from a human rights perspective, end quote. However, it would be even more dangerous to have a flawed policy with respect to irregular migration. 
Right now, it's better to have a law like this one than to have no regulation providing for measures to deal with the emergency situation on the Lithuania-Belarus border. He also stated, asking the Seimas, which is Lithuanian parliament, to correct the law's shortcomings in the near future. In fact, Lithuania is required to host any migrants who have entered the EU through Lithuanian territory and applied for asylum. The authorities must also provide migrants with housing and food. If someone's asylum request is denied, Lithuania is required to deport that person to the country from which he or she came. Deporting someone to a Middle Eastern or African country, however, is a long and arduous process, especially from my parts of the world, quite northern parts of the world, and our countries aren't that rich either. The result is that Lithuania has literally run out of resources for migrants detained after crossing the Belarus-Lithuania border. The migrants are currently being held in empty vacation homes, campsites, schools, and tent cities. The migrants themselves have complained about the restriction of their freedom, poor living conditions, and a lack of medical care on the sites they were being held. Quote, Everyone who's being detained in this building is suffering psychologically. Ryan, who's from Iraq, told me Zona. According to Ryan, there have already been multiple suicide attempts among migrants, which has been reported by other sources too, and uh, another Iraqi citizen, Elias, agreed that things are bleak. Quote, I ran away so I wouldn't be in Iraq, which is like a prison, but here is the same thing. But of course it gets even more interesting. Hello there, thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at russansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to russensoft.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. See, Lithuania had their own issues, but then the migrants started coming to Poland and Latvia. And we just know some things about, well, stuff happening from Latvia right now. Because, you see, Latvia and Poland really didn't allow migrants to just come over en masse, so they are literally stuck sitting there. At least they were stuck sitting there. Now we are accommodating some. 
because, well, we had to at the beginning. And uh, as of August the 20th, which is also why this whole episode was delayed, because these news just came in and I had to do a lot of extra work for this, a lot of interesting um, news happened. We took in about um, 51 asylum seeker in the Daugopils Accommodation Center. Daugopils is the second largest city of Latvia, and it's kind of close to the Belarusian border. Most of them, like I said, were from Iraq. Others were from Sri Lanka and India. However, here, as this is later than the Lithuanian events, even though Lithuanian events are still continuing, here, most claimed that they have been sent across the border forcibly, and quite a lot of them actually wanted to return to their home country, because, well, after what's happening in Lithuania, you know, all the bad press and things that have been going on, not only did the Belarusian people there started uh, basically, you know, allowing migrants to cross, apparently at some point, Belarusian special services and KGB have just started forcibly throwing people over into Poland and Latvia, which is amazing, especially since Belarusian government still operates this hybrid war sense, so there's a lot of suspicion by our secret services that among these people could definitely be people who have been, um, shall we say, nicely, kindly asked to work with the Belarusian and Russian secret services, and obviously we, um, we have to be extremely careful about who we let in, because, you know, hearing that some other person in Europe has been diagnosed with acute poisoning of Novichok, and feeling that they came through from one of our countries, that wouldn't look nice on paper. Anyway, these news about the fact that Belarus was literally, by this point, forcing people to cross over, well, stuff just got even worse. This was from the August 23rd, my, I guess, fourth attempt to produce this episode. Well, we had seen, like, hundreds of people trying to cross illegally, and a lot of them just were sitting there in between, they couldn't cross over, some of them we took in, it was a huge mess. But um, our chief of state, Border Guard, Guntis Puyats, gave a nice interview on Latvian television, basically a public broadcasting service, on August 23rd. He stated that uh, despite the efforts of Border Guards, our Border Guards, to keep these people out of Latvia and understand what to do with them, they continue to stay close to the border. Quote, we are taking deterrence measures, they are not leaving the border. They are in the immediate vicinity of the border, or even on the line. Puyat said that border guards were prepared that the situation could change at any time, and the number of offenses could increase. If necessary, Latvia will not refuse assistance to the migrants. 25 individuals from different groups of migrants have been admitted to Latvia because of risks to their health. Puyat also stated that the majority of migrants with whom border guards have communicated had expressed their desire to return to their country of residence, but the Belarusian authorities would not allow it. Border guards have also found that some of the migrants have arrived in Belarus through Moscow and have later traveled to cross the border of Latvia. Puyat stated that the Belarusian regime is pushing migrants to travel to Latvia to make a profit of a kind. Quote, It is a criminal business of its kind to lure happiness seekers here and make money. If we now open our borders, it means that thousands of happiness seekers will try to enter Latvia to go further to other countries of the European Union. Which, well, makes sense. After all, well, this show is called the Eastern Border for a reason, because we are on the Eastern Border of the EU. And, um, yeah, by the 1st of September or early October, it is now planned to equip 37 kilometers of the border between Latvia and Belarus with the first fence. The total length of the border 
between the two countries, mine and Belarusian, is 172 kilometers. It's, you know, much shorter than Lithuania's, but it also goes across lakes and rivers. Yeah, and our chief of the border guard also saw some risks that similar situations could quite easily arise similarly on the, on the border of Russia. But even that is not the good part. Because now we come to yesterday, another glorious attempt to make sure everything happened. See, some of these migrants and their representatives decided to sue Latvia and Poland, and I guess Lithuania too, because Belarus hasn't signed anything with the European Court of Human Rights, so they just disregard that thing in general. But, um, yeah, they kind of sued us in between of all this situation where these people were just sitting there on the border and we were letting some in and just didn't know what to do with them. Yesterday, on the 25th, the European Court of Human Rights indicated that an interim measure in the cases of two illegal migrant groups against Poland and Latvia concerning recent events at the borders of our countries, well, we had to do something. It was really crazy, because we had these interim measures. And apparently they stated that this specific measure that they forced us to do will apply for a period of three weeks from August 25th until September 15th, inclusively, obviously. The court decided to request that the Polish and Latvian authorities provide all the applicants with food, water, clothing, adequate medical care, and, if possible, temporary shelter. At the same time, it never really required that Poland or Latvia let the applicants actually enter our territories. The court also noted that this decision was taken in accordance with the fact that the, our states, contracting states, have the right, as a matter of well-established international law and subject to our treaty obligations, including the convention, control the entry, residence, and expulsion of foreigners of our countries. And like I said, migration from Belarus, uh, yeah, kind of iffy. That's a thing. The applicants in both cases, who actually sued us, are allegedly seeking to enter Latvia or Poland for international protection. However, they are currently unable to enter our states or return to Belarus because the Belarusians just never let them in. So, well, they were just squeezed in. And it was crazy, because since the August 10th up until August 25th, a total of 544 people actually were stopped from crossing the border from Belarus to Latvia. So, you know, I thought this was that, and now we are going to have to build some temporary housing, and that this mess will at least at least get a bit more organized, because even though I have um, very few positive things to actually state about my own government, well, they're quite okay with um, dealing with, you know, something that's been ordered to do to them by external sources. So they somehow haphazardly managed to do this. Then comes today, and as I'm recording this, I just open up our local news just to check in between uh, the recording sessions of, you know, maybe something new exists in this stuff. And of course, of course, comrades, the Eastern border doesn't disappoint. So today, according to one of our voluntary charity organization representatives, Egils Grasmanis, he represents the organization I Want to Help the Refugees, stated that um, all these migrants, at least on the Latvian border, are just gone. Poofed. It's quite insane. The fact that um, all of the people who were just stuck there between the border were gone is confirmed by our Ministry of Internal Affairs. Which is crazy, because our largest media, Delphi.lv, just published this in a... Wow. The advisor to our Minister of Interior stated that... Uh, Nobody really knows why are they missing, where are they, again, poofed into air. Well, it's quite obvious that we can't tell the exact amounts of migrants, refugees, call them as you wish, who are stuck there between the borders, or where they even are. But currently, mostly um, 
our government suspects that um, they might be inside Belarus. Which means that we literally can't even, you know, give them any foodstuffs or whatever. And um, the official comment by this was um, by the Ministry of Defense, which posted two days ago the pictures where you could see, well, these people who were standing between Latvian and Belarus border lines and, well, on the both sides, all the roads guarded by armed border guards. But currently, the fact is that uh, our border guards apparently had asked one of these groups, because, well, they travel in groups, we asked them to move to another location near the border where we could, you know, deliver them food and meds more efficiently. But meanwhile, yep, now they're just currently gone. And uh, also, not only that, the relatives of these people who are there, uh, they also have no clue what's happened to these people. So apparently the relatives of some of the people who are, well, still presumably somewhere there on the border or in Belarus or whatever, yeah, they have been just calling to uh, this charity organization and um, literally zero connections to anyone. And obviously everyone very much confused about everything. The fact that European Human Rights Court is a binding organization for, well, us and Lithuania and Poland. However, it isn't for Belarus because Belarus is not, well, it has not joined the European um, Human Rights Convention, which kind of creates a... Uh, Bit of a unique situation here in um, our part of the world. See, we, like every EU country, have to take in refugees, and that's kind of like, but they have to apply for asylum there in the first place where they arrive. But uh, if someone just pops in and says that he demands political asylum, we have to take him in while our country identifies who he is and is he really an asylum seeker or one of those possible agents? Well, we kind of have to take care of these people. But so far, we were starting to work with this. We had an emergency situation and uh, no one knows. And the problem is the fact that it looks really, really bad for Latvia right now because I honestly don't exactly know how can you lose refugees on a border and what's going to happen next. But I will definitely going to have to investigate this more. My birthday is up on the 28th, so I will be doing that in September. But wow, all this mess just got a lot worse and more interesting, especially since I have received reports that um, at least some of these people, quite easily, properly and nicely, could have been just uh, snatched away by the Belarusians and literally stuffed into, well, makeshift concentration camps on that side. Because, well, we weren't letting them through, and they were apparently angering the Belarusian border guards, and, well, quite possibly that the Belarusian Lukashenko just decided to, you know, put them on a bus, drive them to some detention camp or something like that, and yeah, well, maybe even, even like, bag them and, and forcibly send them over some other border someplace else. This kind of thing, you know, it's a huge mess. It's the first time that this has happened in such large quantities near our borders, and you also have to understand that, well, we're not a extremely wealthy country and we don't have any kind of real-life expertise with dealing with all these issues. And now we've lost a bunch of people. It would be funnier if it wouldn't be as sad as it is and the situation is kind of inhumane. And it just kind of shows that um, there are still people in Europe who'd like to basically smuggle people in their own country and use all this as a tool to push their own political agendas and cause more chaos 
both for my country and Lithuania and Poland, because apparently we really um, haven't been the best brothers with Mr. Lukashenko. Now the question is, should we be best buddies with, um, with a guy who runs a country with an iron fist and does things like that? Yeah, not so sure. Not so sure, to be honest. But um, we're going to have to clearly see how the situation develops. And, uh, wow, if you follow me on social media, I will definitely post more pictures because this affair has stunned me about all of these matters. Wanted to talk about this whole Taliban thing a bit, but, wow, this has taken over, like, 90% of all this time. But So I'll leave the Taliban just, just for the ending parts because some tidbits here and there will uh, look at proper Afghanistan situation and with Russian military presence in the countries surrounding Afghanistan, which is why they also have, a, if you remember, they had talks with Taliban recently where Navalny's group also were extremists and they were like pushed away. Meanwhile, Taliban were officially invited to speak with representatives of Russia's foreign ministry. And I wanted to include that too, but that'll have to wait until this situation clears up because, well, this is a hot topic here and I don't even exactly know if any of this gets reported in the West, except some some pictures that, well, make Latvia look really bad, because no one really knows, and I, I myself, for one, believed at the beginning, when this whole thing started, as this was underrepresented in our media as well, that these people were actually people running from Lukashenko's regime. Because, you know, it's a Belarusian border, and I've been following how this all evolved and what's going on there, but no, no, it turns out that Belarusian people still, they're not as easily driven through the whole border and they don't want to come, which is what I would expect, because like I said, Lithuania has taken in a lot of these refugees, but, uh, huh, weaponizing of, um, of migrants and refugees, illegal smuggling. Yeah, I guess, uh, that adds like a nice notch, another notch on, um, Lukashenko's crimes against humanity list. Hope you agree with me there. But just before I quit all this episode, I kind of have to report another new, which is tied in with this whole affair, which I feel would be unfair to misreport and not tell you about. See, according to BBC Russia, officials in Russia are expelling Afghan nationals who arrived in the country before Taliban took power in Afghanistan. Which is a new report from Russian BBC. Currently just saw it just now and I thought... This really should go into the show, as we've been talking about migration, refugees, and them being used as political tools, and this kind of ties in. And apparently, according to them, in one case in July, officials in the Leningrad region deported a 12-year-old girl and her family members who had fled Afghanistan after the Taliban tried to force the child into a marriage. Several other Afghan nationals are in custody after being arrested at the St. Petersburg Interior Ministry while attempting to apply for asylum. Many of the detainees arrived in Russia during the Euro 2020 Soccer Championship earlier this summer. Then again, it's BBC Russia, why are they calling it soccer? It definitely should be called football. And apparently, yeah, they deported the 12-year-old Afghan girl from Russia along with her relatives. The family had fled Afghanistan because the members of the Taliban were trying to force the child to marry. This was reported by the BBC Russian service in an article about the fate of Afghan nationals who ended up in Russia before the Taliban seized power in mid-August. And, uh... Yeah, this little girl was arrested along with her family members in Viborg on June the 1st within the border zone at the Russian-Finnish border, which is stated by the ruling from the Leningrad Regional Court. The girl's family made an unsuccessful attempt to cross over into Finland, one of the defense lawyers handling their case told the Russian BBC. According to lawyer Yuri Shergov from the Migration and Law Network, 
the family members were charged with misdemeanors, not for violating the terms of their stay in Russia, but for actually just being in the border zone. In June the 2nd, the Viborg City Court found the girl and her family guilty of violating the border regime in the border zone. Find her 500 rubles, which is literally less than 6 euros, definitely less than 7 dollars, and ordered her forced expulsion from Russia. As Shergov noted, expulsion is the most severe punishment outlined under the Administrative Code article, but it's not a mandatory measure. The girls' defense attorneys appealed the decision at the Leningrad Regional Court because, well, they logically argued on the grounds of the kind of crazy situation in Afghanistan currently, stressing that expulsion from Russia would threaten her life and her health. However, on July the 1st, Judge Konstantin Ryabin refused to satisfy the lawyer's appeal. He dismissed the defense's argument that expulsion posed any threats to her and her family, quote, since the case materials lack adequate evidence of the existence of real danger. The judge also claimed that, well, they hadn't applied for asylum in Russia prior to the arrest. Olga Chetlina, another lawyer from the Migration Law Network, who also defended the Afghan family, said that they applied for asylum in Russia three weeks ago, in other words, in mid-July, but they were turned down. In the end, the child was expelled from Russia, along with her elderly parents and their relatives. Two men, three women, and a 12-year-old girl in total. Oh, and besides, before leaving for Afghanistan, the family was broken up. The women and the child were sent back separately from the men. And uh, Olga Selichina told the Russian BBC, quote, We don't know what will happen to the women. After all, they flew to Kabul on the eve of the coup without the support of men, and fled from the danger of a forced marriage. And, uh, yeah, this is not the only case. See, several Afghan nationals who came to St. Petersburg during the Euro 2020 championship and stayed on in Russia after the games are also facing the threat of deportation. In late July, St. Petersburg's Oktyabrsky district court ruled to expel five Afghan fans from Russia. Prior to their expulsion, they were placed in a temporary detention center for foreign citizens. Several other Afghan nationals were arrested on July the 20th after coming to the Interior Ministry to apply for asylum in Russia, one of the detainees told Novaya Gazeta. According to the asylum seeker, police officers from the refugee department had invited the Afghan nationals to come in all at the same time. And, well, we came in and the police were waiting for us in handcuffs. The detained Afghans are at risk of death in their homeland, says Bakhtiar Nabi, the board chairman of Afghan diaspora of St. Petersburg. According to him, the father of one of the detainees worked for Afghanistan's presidential administration. Another served in the army and fought against the Taliban. Another detainee served in the Khad. Afghanistan's intelligence agency. In court, some of the detainees also noted that they are afraid to return to Afghanistan because the, quote, situation with the Taliban terrorist movement has escalated. Uh, the court dismissed these arguments completely. One of the detainees did not appeal the court's decision, and it entered into force in early August. However, it's unclear whether this person has already been expelled from Russia. Another four detainees filed complaints because of the court's decision, and it wasn't translated into their native language. On August 17th, the case materials were returned to the district court for the ruling to be translated. Because, well, you know, why bother? And now, now at this point, all the Russian opposition internets is a bit exploding about the very idea that Taliban might soon no longer be considered a terrorist organization in Russia. Which also would be a fun turn of events. But okay. This is uh, definitely it for today's episode, which, again, like I said, starts easy, turns out quite dark by the end. But remember, happiness is mandatory, and please, please, tell your friends about the show, become our patrons, 
support us, go to vsternborder.lv, click on that donate button there, or buy your merch from rusansov.org, they're great guys. Or, you know, if you listen to us via iCast, please don't skip the ads, they help. And just contact us via emails, or on Facebook, or Twitter, we answer everywhere. And, uh, do svidanja, tvariši. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website theeasternborder.lv and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.